Now, I've experienced a curious thing, and that is, last week I started talking about this idea of endurance. And the idea that God has promised many things that he's going to fulfill. And what we need to do until the time that he fulfills his promise is to endure. That means to bear up under suffering and difficulties and afflictions. It's that ability to not give up where you say, you know what, this is too much, I can't do this, I give up. And the writer to the Hebrews says, we are not of those who shrink back to perdition, but of those who endure to the saving of the soul. That's who we are. So, I was going to take the next ideas that I had and cram them all into one teaching. And I knew that if I did this, I would kill everybody. And it's really bad when pastors kill people. It ends up in the newspapers. It's really awkward. And so, one of my New Year's resolutions is not to kill you. You can all take comfort in that. But I'm going to expand the things that I, I wanted to say and deliver them so that you can handle them and you can do something with them. That is, this is kind of a New Year's start. And I'm going to take the next idea about endurance, and that is, where do you get endurance? You face difficulties, discouragement, and suffering, and those are the things that make you think, I can't do this, I quit. Have you ever wanted to quit? and you think about it, and you run it all over in your mind, and it's like, you want to quit. I find that I'm tempted to believe that my situation is hopeless. There is no way out. There's no way forward. And if you really believe that, then there is no reason to keep on going. You quit. Now that means surrender to a more powerful force. It means death. And you fail because I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough. Have you ever thought those things at one time? I, I can't do this because Whatever it is, I'm not enough. Now, endurance comes from knowing your true situation. 
You get strength from knowing the truth and depending on God because He is the truth. Not just some abstract philosophical concept floating in outer space. Truth. There it goes. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Now, if you receive wisdom and insight from God, you can keep going because you understand what is true and you can depend upon what is true. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, here is an absolutely necessary part of endurance. When you engage with God's word, you are engaging with God. And he gives you what you need through his word. And this is the concept for today. God gives through his word. Now where I'm reading today is Psalm 119. I want you to open up and read along with me. Psalm 119 and verse 97. Actually, there are a lot of places that I could get this concept from. It runs all the way through Scripture, but I just decided to land on this set of Scriptures right here. Psalm 119, verse 97. Everybody with me? All right. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Now, we want to notice the way in which God's word gives. And the first I want to call your attention to is in verse 98. You make me wiser than my enemies. Now, you want to notice that this psalmist, a righteous man, has enemies. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, it says that Cain killed Abel 
because his brother's works were righteous and his were wicked. And John goes on to say, don't be surprised if the world hates you. This is the situation in the world that we have to deal with. The fact that if you want to live for God who is good and right and true and there's nothing the matter with this. Yet you will come into contact and conflict with people who hate God. Don't believe in God. Now they can't do anything about God but they can do something about you. Now, it's a spiritual situation because the devil is the God of this world. He is the one who runs this world right now. And the devil hates you. So like it or not, the psalmist had enemies, but here's what he found. By doing what God said, he was wiser than his enemies and it preserved him, kept him safe from those who wanted to kill him. Now, you can read through Psalm 119 and find out what they were doing. They were slandering him. They were ruining his reputation in the eyes of other people. They were lying about him to make him discouraged. But because the psalmist really only cares about what God thinks, it didn't stop him. So they make fun of him. And they put him down. They're trying to embarrass him. And this is what happens a lot. There are people who try to make you ashamed and embarrassed that you believe in Jesus and you're following him. Now you know, you think, what is it to you? What do you care? You know, I'm not going to get in your way. You don't have to get in my way. Just, But it doesn't work like that. These people just say, you know what? I appoint myself the person who's going to step all over you and make you feel like a complete idiot. And so there are these people who just lay into you. But again, the psalmist is not ashamed or feels like, gosh, what a dope I am to believe in God. Because there's something about the Word of God that gives you the future. And it says, the way of the ungodly will perish. The ungodly will not stand in the judgment. I'll see you in a hundred years, pal. And then we're going to find out who is ashamed. So the word of God gives the psalmist the confidence to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. They tried setting traps for him to get him in, in trouble with what he said. Snares. You can read about it in Psalm 119. Now, you know, this is exactly the same thing that they did with Jesus. It's a sneaky, like this person said, premeditated plot to 
take somebody down. Let's lay a trap. Let's get him to commit publicly to the wrong thing. We got him. They did this to Jesus. But Jesus could always see it coming. And he would answer in a way that left his enemies dumbfounded. They thought, we got him. It's airtight. And Jesus says something, they, they go, he's right. We didn't think of that. He got out of it. How did he do that? And he does it over and over and over again. And then Jesus asks a question that nobody can answer. And then they're afraid to even ask him any, any more questions. Like, don't do that in a battle of wits with Jesus. You are not armed. So, here's the psalmist realizing that because he is walking with God according to his word, he can actually see it coming and miss it. God is giving him wisdom, and that wisdom preserves him. Does everybody see that? He thought that was pretty cool. What he also notices here is that the word of God keeps giving so that you grow. Now this is important. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. I understand more than the ancients. This isn't a race. This isn't a competition to see who is the smartest. And the psalmist didn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to make all my teachers embarrassed because I'm going to be smarter than them. And I'm going to be smarter than the old people. And he said, I did it. I did it. I'm smarter. Is that what he's doing? Just saying, wow, what a smart guy I am. No, it's something that he realized. Life is not God, I want to beat everybody. I want to win whatever, whatever competition we're in. Life is about saying, God, make me the person that you want me to be. And it, that isn't going to be like everybody else. And as you pursue being that person that God wants you to be, you will end up doing things that not everybody does. You're going to turn out different. And what the psalmist noticed is that some people stop growing in the Lord. And maybe they figure, I've arrived. I've been around for a long time. That's what the aged say. Hey, kid, don't tell me how it works. I've been here a long time. I know. And a teacher, what does a teacher say? Hey, I teach this stuff. I know what I'm doing. But you know, this is a trap. 
to think that you're done learning because you've achieved so much accreditation or I've been around a long time. And it's true, if you live a long time, you see fads come in and go out and come back and go out again. And you learn, it is true, there is nothing new under the sun. But does that mean you're done? And now you can just shift into neutral and coast the rest of your life because I'm here. I've arrived. I am the people. And when I die, wisdom dies with me. <laughs> really? If you stop growing, you start dying. Anybody who plays a musical instrument knows that this is true. If you stop playing, you lose the ability to play. That is just physics. Have you ever tried memorizing verses out of the Bible? And then you don't keep up with those verses? And you find out you've forgotten them. They don't stay with you. This is the untold secret of memorization. Once you begin to memorize these verses, you must review them or you're wasting your time. So, if you're done learning and growing, you start dying. And the case in point is David. At a certain point, David decided, I have arrived. I am the king. I have conquered my enemies. There's nothing else I need to do. The kings go out to battle at this time of year. I do not have to do that. I'm gonna shift into neutral. I'm just gonna dig being king. Now that wasn't like sudden weakness in the force, you know, something bad is going on. Nobody noticed. No earthquake, nothing. And yet, David found it's not satisfied somehow. And there he is, walking around on top of his palace after a nap, wondering what is my big deal? What's, what is this? And really, that weakness, that kind of I'm in neutral, Man, when he got tempted, he found he was in no position to resist. And he ended up blowing up his life. All because deep down inside, he checked out and said, I'm done. I've arrived. So he ends up doing things he thought he would never do. Adultery, murder, cover-up, and checking out from his relationship with God for over a year. 
You know, if you had asked him something like that before he came to the throne, David, do you think you'll ever have murder and adultery and just quit walking with God? He would look at you and say, are you kidding? I'd never do that. But then you just sort of check out and say, I'm arrived. Goes right into the toilet. So, Age is not a barrier for you to grow. Did you know that? You don't have to wait until you become an old person to grow. That's not a barrier. And you know what? Teachers are only there to give you the tools for you to grow. They can give you the alphabet, and this is how you read, and two plus two, and all that junk. But after that, you now have the tools with which to keep growing. Now, at a certain point, you've got to know God for yourself. Going to church is, is nothing. It's not enough. You have to engage with God for yourself because if you don't, at a certain point, you're going to die. Does everybody get that? Plus, you miss all the fun of knowing God for yourself. And I've often asked people this. Do you hire somebody to kiss your girlfriend for you? That completely misses the point, doesn't it? I'm glad somebody's listening to me. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Could you say that's maybe one of the best parts about having a girlfriend is saying hi. This is the best part about knowing God. And you don't win by Refusing the best part. What sense does that make? So you know, some people quit growing. And I don't know why. But you don't have to. See? Now, one of the fun things about following God's word is it gives a pure life. Did you notice that in verse 101? I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. And down in verse 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Now, what the psalmist found out is that you can't follow the Lord and keep sinning against him because they're two different directions. It's either one way or the other, but not both. And he found that if you keep on sinning, you live a polluted life. And there's no joy in being polluted. Pollution is poison, and it takes life. It doesn't give life. You can't drink polluted water. You can't breathe polluted air. 
And you can't be satisfied and happy living a polluted life. Now, you know, the nation Israel proved this to themselves over and over and over. Because they would get this attitude like, you know, God, he's awfully restrictive, and I'd rather just go after the good stuff myself. So I'm going to forget about following the Lord, doing what he says. I'm just going to go after the sex and the prosperity and the power and all that junk and worship these other gods. And they're always polluting. It's always unclean. And it always leads to slavery and bondage. And you can imagine that Israel tries everything it can in order to become free, and it doesn't work. And so they do the last thing they would ever do, and that is just call out to God to save them. It's raining. That's what the noise is. We're not burning down, we're just raining. So there's Israel going, God, we have nothing to offer you. We're in bondage. We've sinned against you. We deserve everything we get. Please save us. And then he saves them. And they go, oh God, what an amazing thing to be pure. What an amazing thing to be right with you. How much better this is than anything. They would know the difference between pollution and degradation and just living a wretched life and then living a pure life with God. No wickedness, no impurity in that. And they loved it. And then three generations later, they'd be back in it. Who take purity for granted. Think, who cares? Let's go after the fun. And nobody there to say, oh, I don't think that's going to work. You're going to get sick. You're going to throw up and vomit because of what you're going to go through. Nah, this will be fun. And there's another generation on the floor throwing up and vomiting because their lives are so messed up. And they call out to God. Well, it is really satisfying to be pure. And pollution is death. The psalmist loved living a pure life. He enjoyed it. He loved being clean and free from guilt and free from shame. And it says here in verse 104, therefore I hate every false way. See, the understanding that he gets from God's word is if I do that, that thing that promised me I'm just as good as God Everything's going to work out. Nothing bad's going to happen. I know that that's going to betray me. I know that that's going to wreck my life. And so I hate that. I hate these lying, deceitful ways that are going to destroy me. 
and I keep to this way of purity. See, he loved that. And when you follow what God says, you know God, and that brings joy and endurance. Look at verse 102. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. Can you imagine that God Most High has time to sit down with you and teach you? Is that not amazing? And he found that the Word of God is alive and it speaks, just like we heard about this morning. Have you ever experienced this? This thing of you're reading along and you're thinking, this is an exercise that I am doing and it's probably good for me. And then God starts talking to you. Those words practically leap off the page. And you receive. Haven't those times been the best times of your life? Because God is talking to me. Don't you wish that would happen every time you picked up the Bible? Wouldn't it be electric? Because when God's talking to you, what is better? Nothing beats that. So, here is part of our salvation. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. God himself with you to be your teacher. What that means is, you can continually grow. There is no barrier. There's no reason why you couldn't keep growing. So that means it's, there's always more. There's always more where that came from. The Bible is the one book that you can read over and over and over again and there's something new in it that you've never seen. You can't do that with War and Peace. Lord of the Rings, you can memorize it. And you know what it says, and you're done. You're super done. But not the Bible. The Bible is alive, and it has something to tell you today. Do you show up for that appointment? See? It's there waiting for you. Now, being taught by God gives joy and satisfaction. How sweet are your words to my taste, he says. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Why? Because it's sweet to be taught by God. It is sweet. And there's your joy. And nothing on earth is like this. And you see to yourself, oh, there's always more. So 
It says in Isaiah 54, verse 13, all your sons will be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. Well-being, shalom, great. And so when you have peace in your heart, it gives you endurance against all the suffering and the difficulties outside you. You know, you've had times when nothing's going on. Everything is just really good. But inside your heart, you're wiped out. And you think, everything's going good. What is my big problem? But at the same time, Everything can be hell on a stick outside you, but you have the peace of God inside. It doesn't touch you. Isn't that a, an amazing thing? And so that's where you want the peace, in your heart. Now that's why the psalmist says in verse 97, and you thought I missed it, didn't you? <laughs> that's why the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. I love this. I love receiving from God. I love that you teach me. I love that you make me pure. And I love that you give me wisdom and insight and understanding. I love that you make me endure to the end. I love this. Now look at verse 111. We're jumping the rails a little bit here, but hang on. It says, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever for they are the rejoicing of my heart. That is an interesting little verse there. Because a heritage, that's a possession. That's something that you own. Now God gives your life to you, and he also gives you possessions that you can own. Isn't that interesting? Your life would be good enough. I like being alive. But here's something that you own, and it's yours, and it's there to help you. That's what your possessions do. They help you. Now, in Israel, God gave them possessions to inherit. It was the land. And the land grows your food grazes your flocks. It produces all the good things that you need. Right? It's useful. And the psalmist says, that's what your word is for me. It's my inheritance. It's that useful possession that gives me life. Now, you know, what I find interesting is that as an Israelite, he was obligated to keep that law. And this is what people think. It's an obligation, a duty, a burden, a chain, a weight, a drag. 
keeps me from being free. So let's break that chain. Let's get rid of it. Let's throw God down the well and let's live it up. But the psalmist says, I want this to be my possession. It's the most valuable, the most important thing I own. Because this gives me eternal life. This is my portion. This is what I can take with me out of this life. So I have taken this as my portion because it's the rejoicing of my heart. This is what I love. I love this. You see, some people can see this as a drag. Oh, I gotta read my Bible. Okay, tick the box. I'm a good boy. But then some people can say, you know what, this is mine. I'm gonna own this. I'm gonna take possession. I'm gonna spread out, move in. This is for me, this is for me. So here's the possibility that you can take this word of God as your inheritance, your portion. This is yours and you're gonna make it your own. This is how you develop your relationship with God. Because you want to be continually growing and receiving. Because then you're going to have the endurance that you need. So, I'm going to tell you three things you can do with it. You can read it. And you read in order to become familiar with it. How long have you been following Jesus? Are you familiar with the Bible? Could you find a verse, if you needed to find it right now, would you know where it was? Could you do it with any Bible? That's leaving you folks out that have photographic memories and you're a whiz when you got your Bible because you know that one is in this corner right here. Okay, do it with another Bible. Uh, I don't know where it is. <clears throat> False, you lose. Could you do it with any Bible? Are you familiar with it? Doesn't mean you understand it. But do you know where all the questions are? Okay, the second thing you can do with your Bible is study it. And that means look closely at it. Now people, think study and they think boring. But not with something you love. Everything you love, you love reading about and studying up on and reading the reviews and looking at this and looking at that. You know that's true. So if you love what God has said, then it's not really a drag to sit down and look at it closely and learn something from God himself. Those have been really the amazing times in my life. But here's the third thing you can do with the word of God. And actually there's nine things, but I'm only telling you three. 
Here's the third thing. You can receive the word inwardly. And that's what the psalmist keeps talking about here. It is my meditation. Meditation. He says it over and over again. And meditation is how you take the word that is external and receive it into your deepest heart. And until you receive it inwardly, it does not do its work. Because you do not believe it. You read it and you go, huh, interesting. And you move on and nothing's happened. But when you are receiving this word into your heart, that's when it becomes effective. And the reason why many people do not receive from the Bible is they do not meditate. And it's not surprising. It's that last step. And you know, if everything just kind of falls into the abyss before it reaches your heart, no surprises there why it doesn't feed you. So this is absolutely necessary. And everybody does it just a little bit. Kind of like we all pray a little bit. But the possibility is that we could pray a lot more than we do right now. And what would that be? That would be amazing. We can all meditate a lot. And that would be astounding. Now, next week, I'm going to do a workshop on how do you meditate. And I want to invite you to be here next week. Wouldn't that be amazing? I do. So why don't we pray? Again, Heavenly Father, how amazing that you give us something that is so unique, that it's alive. And something by which your Holy Spirit impresses upon our hearts, writes upon our heart with his very finger so that it becomes part of us and we really do know you. Thank you, Lord, that you do not exaggerate and you do not deceive and you don't lie. Thank you that your word is truth. And here we have it right here. We thank you for that, Lord. And I want to pray for each one of us that you would so work in our lives that this word would become our inheritance. That each one of us would make that word our own. Bless this to us and help us to know you. And again, Lord, without you, it's not going to happen. 
how we need you to work in our lives. And we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.